to the ether today is monday january 23rd 2023 today on the ether the xlr ama hosted by arbitrum let's take a listen all right looks like we got sergey here he's just connecting hey everyone hey sergey how's it going good are you great um what time is it where you're at late early oh it's afternoon yeah nice same same here nice all right um yeah you ready to get started yeah for sure all right, sounds good. So today we have Sergey from Axelar Network with us today. Um, Sergey, why don't you start by introducing yourself and um, what you do um, at Axelar? Hey, yeah, uh, Sergey, one of the co-founders of Axelar. Um, my background in distributed systems and cryptography. You know, prior to this, uh, worked on the Algorand protocol, um, and uh, yeah, so kind of been in the systems cryptography um, space for a while. All right, great. Short and sweet. <laughs> All right, then why don't you get into um, then what is Axelar? Sure, yeah. On the high level, what we try to do with Axelar is to seamlessly connect uh, blockchains in a secure and a decentralized way, right? So the, the basic idea is that as a developer, you want to be able to build you know, on the best platform for your needs, but still be able to kind of connect with other ecosystems to bring liquidity, composability, asset transfer, and so on and so forth. And so Axelar is a decentralized network that provides secure connectivity across multiple different blockchains. You can um, use it to send assets, send information, compose your contracts across different chains. And then on top of the network, um, there is a kind of service and SDK layer that allows developers to very simply actually interact with uh, different uh, blockchain ecosystems. So we launched uh, the network um, last year. So, and since then, connected over 30 different chains, uh, everything from Arbitrum, Ethereum, um, Cosmos uh, chains like Cosmosis, uh, you know, Mavalanche, uh, Polkadot, and and a bunch of others. And so the list kind of keeps on growing and growing. Um, We have lots of developers that are building kind of around the stack done over, you know, 1.7 billion across chain volume through through the network. And... uh, yeah, kind of continuing to grow and help developers uh, build in the interchain world. Yeah, that's awesome. Interchain and interoperable cross-chain, those are terms that our community is very familiar with and uh, bullish on. Uh, what what genre or like category of a protocol would, would XLR fall under if, if it can be simplified in such a way? Yeah, so Axelar itself is a proof of stake protocol, right? So it's uh, powered by a decentralized network of validators. Uh, so anybody can join, anybody can participate, and uh, you know the the network itself uh, is based on the blockchain technology. So you can think of it as a it's a proof of stake blockchain that connects other blockchains, right? That's the simplest way of of, of thinking about it. And sort of the network is then responsible for uh, you know cross chain routing, kind of transport security, and so on and so forth. 
Michael, that's simple enough. Um, so then in, in its cross-chain operability and, and how does connecting it um, make Arbitrum better, like connecting to XLR in that way? Yeah, so once we're connected to Arbitrum, now users uh, from Arbitrum and developers from Arbitrum can tap into different uh, blockchain ecosystems by sending cross-chain messages, right, or token transfer requests. So it, as an example, let's say you're building your application on Arbitrum, right, and you want to um, allow users from, you know, Cosmos ecosystems or, you know, from Seller or from uh, Polkadot ecosystems to uh, be able to interact with your application. So the way to do this is that you can architect your application so that the messages can be sent back and forth between those chains and, and your application, right? So if the, if the user wants to make, let's say, a deposit into your application, maybe even using an asset on a different chain, they can submit that transaction, you know, on, on Polkadot or, um, or Avalanche or any of the other chains that we support. You can route those messages to your application Arbitrum. You can execute them. And then you can return, you know, the results back to the users or, you know, uh, if the users remain within Arbitrum, you can do that as well. Um, and then vice versa, right? If you're a user uh, at Arbitrum and if you want to access some of the other ecosystems uh, through um, uh, through Axler, you can do that as well. So you can uh, send, you know, stable coins around, you can send other assets, or if you have an NFT that you want to uh, port into another chain, assuming that it supports uh, kind of the cross-chain protocol, you can do that as well. So it's really kind of a multi-dimensional, you know, um, transport layer that you can think of that we established between both developers and users, between Arbitrum and uh, over 30 other blockchain ecosystems that we're connecting today and adding many more kind of every day. Right, that's actually really cool. Um, not that I'm surprised, but <laughs> uh, how would you differentiate, I guess, that from the terminology around bridging, or is it pretty synonymous, just for clarification? Yeah, so bridging is a, an application on top of Axler, right? So the basic idea is that, you know, people used to bridging as a concept to send tokens around, right? And kind of historically, a lot of the bridging protocols have been very centralized. So, you know, you end, you end up with a small, like, multi-sig, and, uh, you know, we, we've seen lots of attacks in the space as a result, which is, you know, not 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 very ideal, right? So. Kind of Axler, first of all, is a uh, decentralized protocol, which kind of sets it apart from all the other bridging protocols. And uh, second of all, it supports many-to-many uh, -many connectivity. So classically, bridges are kind of pairwise objects, right? And you have to think about, you know, if A connects to B and B connects to C, how does like A connect to C? And so by default, you know, you avoid all these problems with Axler being a many-to-many -many protocol. Um, and finally, Axler supports like arbitrary general message passing or contract composability, right? Whereas uh, kind of traditional bridging mostly focuses on like token transfers. And, um, you know, I actually encourage the listeners to go to like axlerscan.io, which is a pretty great explorer that we build on top of the network. And you can see kind of various path, paths uh, across the network, uh, traffic flow and so on and so forth. Um, the basic idea actually is what we're trying to do with Axel is eliminate the concept of bridging, right? The, um, I think... People are used to doing bridging because there was no other way around, but we are hoping to see kind of the next set of applications being built that are, you know, chain agnostic or interchain that allow users to interact uh, across multiple blockchains without even thinking about it, right? So if you have an asset, if you see an application, 
you can go and use it, but you don't have to really think about, well, do I need to move my tokens around? Do I need to like get some gas to pay on this destination chain? And all those other questions, you know, I think should be kind of abstracted and eliminated away. And so that's that's really what we're trying to do. Yeah, and that's like a, a pretty big deal uh, when it comes to pushing this space into, you know, more of um, international usability, like just the Web3 space as a whole, just needing to eliminate that that legwork of understanding all these, how all different networks work within your crypto wallets and how to change that and add them. And most people in the world don't um, have the time or or if they do, they have a hard time understanding it. Yeah, for sure. Oh, so so when you talk about you know, so it's not a bridge; it's kind of trying to help um, evolve the the idea around around bridges and how we interact cross chain and interoperable. Um, so a lot of people, you know, likely think of security and and how you know there's always an increased bit of risk when you're, you know, using transactions and and doing things across different chains and having them interconnect. So. So basically, um, yeah, how does it become worth worth the risk to use to use these things, and then um, how is it being uh, secured as well? On top of that, yeah. So it's, I think security, you know, is one of the hardest um, you know problems in the ecosystem overall to solve, right? Um, uh, the way we approach security is actually kind of very holistically from the ground up. Um, so first, I think. It's important to start with the right design that's secure and decentralized, right? So on that note, I think, as I mentioned, Axelor is a decentralized network. You have an open permissionless validator set. Anybody can join. Anybody can participate with it. And, uh, you know, beyond sort of philosophical aspects, I think this has very practical security implications where, you know, the deployments and the software stacks are diversified, right? And so, you know, for, for an attacker to make any kind of compromises, they they really have to compromise large decentralized sets. So, you know, nodes of participants, which is which is much harder, of course, uh, to do. So I think having the right design and the right starting base point is, you know, critical um, in this. So that's one. Um, the second thing on top of it, um, various kind of engineering practices uh, that are needed to actually build a secure system, right? So everything from uh, kind of code audits, uh, we've done over 30 of them. Um, we have like an active uh, bug bounty program on Immunify worth over $2 million that's been that's been riding for a while as well. Um, you know, various uh, kind of unit tests, end-to-end tests, and so on and so forth. So just kind of putting a rigor in the engineering practices behind all of these solutions is, is, of course, important. And the third thing is what we call is like application layer security add-ons, right? So, th- so the basic idea is that, you know, if you have a cross-chain application, maybe the application does like token transfers then you know most of the time you can actually set things like rate limits in the in that application layer right and say well for this specific use case maybe i only need to transfer you know 10 or 100 million dollars per day um and so my code in my application logic needs to enforce those types of rate limits um and then in the worst case if there is like a compromise or something like that then then you know you your damages are sort of mitigated right or capped at least um so yeah, and I think those things at the application layer, we're starting to see more and more from different protocols that are building around Axler as well, leveraging it. And so if you combine those three layers, decentralized network, right, robust engineering practices, and application layer security add-ons and features and customization, then you can actually end up with very strong um, and robust uh, security systems. Oh, that's great. Um, thanks for explaining that. Um, 
So I saw you guys are are involved in the Interop Summit or Interoperability Summit. Um, I, I've never been there, and it's actually the first time I, I heard about it, but it, it looks really interesting. So I'm wondering um, w- what basically goes on there. What do people talk about? You know, what's interesting in that space? Yeah, so, I mean, it's good that you haven't heard about it because this is the first time we're actually, you know, doing this. Uh, oh, so <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. Uh, yeah, the basic idea has been is that, um, you know, we're, we're starting to see this next wave of um, interchain application build outs and developments, right? And a lot of the ecosystems and blockchains are starting to, you know, talk to one another, collaborate, send messages, exchange communities, and so on and so forth. And I think in some sense, what we're trying to do with the Interop Summit is to, you know, kind of unite the, the, the Web3 community, right? And um, kind of come together just to talk about how to build the next set of applications that are, you know, chain agnostic, that can span the whole, the whole of Web3, right? That can leverage different communities, different, you know, different assets and different use cases. Um, it's been a little bit unfortunate that I would say over the last, you know, few years that, um, you know, there's a lot of fragmentation within Web3 ecosystem, right? And I think that that fragmentation doesn't doesn't actually um, help us get to the final mission or, or the final results. You know, all of the individual communities are still relatively, you know, uh, small and still a lot of work that needs to be done to, to kind of get to the end missions of of uh, trustless, ver- verifiable, um, you know, programs and uh, financial systems. So, so we're trying to just get together at this interop summit, talk about the application, you know, build out, talk about interchain future, talk about roadmaps of different projects, you know, how they can kind of collaborate together, how can they, you know, um, help uh, continue driving the the mission of the whole of blockchain ecosystem. So, yeah, it will be held, uh, you know, before uh, East Denver uh, on February twenty seventh, twenty eighth in Denver. So, you know, and. People can kind of go check it out. Um, we'll actually have uh, Stephen, right, the, the co-founder of um, um, Arbitrum, come and, and join us uh, there at the event as well. So I think it's going to be, you know, super exciting. So I encourage people to come by and check it out. Yeah, that is really exciting. I, I didn't even know Stephen was going to be there. So <laughs> I'm sure I would have found out close to the date. I, I pinned um, a thing at the top of the spaces for people who want more details about the Interop Summit as well. It's actually really interesting if you go check it out. Um, Okay, so that's really cool. So, so when you, so when there's going to be an interoperability summit, there's going to be, you know, more than one interoperability network, as we probably need a lot of different people working in this space. Um, How would um, Axelar be differentiated from other interoperability networks? That's a mouthful. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the networks, right, that that, that you look at, they're um, at least in the past been pretty centralized, right? So you have kind of small validator sets or kind of relayers and oracles that you may have to re- rely on um, that are often centralized that that provide the security of your application, right? So an accelerator, like I said, is a is a decentralized protocol, um, and you know that that's at the core of it and the the transport layer like i mentioned earlier you know supports many many connectivity um and uh, yeah i mean i think we're actually be you know announcing a couple other interesting upgrades uh, to to the network as well which you know will be exciting um over the coming over the coming months but uh yeah that's the high level all right cool um i'm curious from your point of view um 
you know, since you've been working in this specific um, part of the Web3 space for quite a while, um, like what's your your vision for, you know, the next way for us to um, adopt Web3 and, and how that looks for developers and, and the end users? Because it's, it's what a lot of people, they're thinking about it without even knowing that they're thinking about it in those specific terms. Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, you know, throughout the last bull, bull cycle, we have seen kind of the issues of interacting with different blockchains, right, um, be very painful for the users, right? So as a user, maybe you have a token on, on one chain, but then you, you found an application, you know, an Arbitrum or somewhere else that, that you're excited about. How do you use it? And kind of traditionally, it's been a pretty complex process. Maybe you have to, you know, first go get a token of that chain, right? You have to uh, maybe move your asset or bridge it over. Um, then you kind of use the application. Maybe at, at the end of the application, you get like some other token. If it's a decentralized exchange, then you move it out to some, some other blockchain. Or, but to do that, you have to get gas, you know, you have to flip wallets and so on and so forth. So kind of very, very complex and uh, multi-step experience, right? And, uh, you know, what, what we are uh, working towards is kind of abstracting all of that away, right? And so as a user, maybe you have a wallet, you know, you have an asset you have applications that you that you want to play with and you can go and do it with one click right um so that's that's really the key and you know maybe not have to think too much about how do you how to bridge things or you know how do you tap into one ecosystem or the other um that, i think that's the ultimate goal right i think you know if 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 you think about it um kind of the world always starts uh isolated right you have countries you have you know, continents, you have economic regions, but when you combine a lot of that together, then, you know, the power um, imp- uh, amplifies exponentially, right? And so I think that's that's what we have to really realize right now is that, you know, it's not just kind of a, this one blockchain, you know, against this this other blockchain. Um, it's really, it's, it's really all very, very small, right? And still, like you said, um, we still have to do a lot of work to get the users, the developers to interact with it. So, by kind of combining all these things through the through the interoperability layers, um, you get to do that. You get to unlock much higher economic value for for your users and uh, you know for your developers in return. Um, but the experiences have to be better, right? both developer experiences and, and and user experiences, without having to think about all these different chains, all these different uh, you know users and kind of how how to tap into them. So abstracting that away, um, I think, is pretty critical. You know, you have things like account abstractions, right, that I think is, is finding a lot more momentum now that, you know, people people are chatting about, which, you know, I'm excited as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think kind of everything goes goes up the layer in some sense to to abstract the complexity of interacting with different uh, blockchains. Yeah, I, can't, I agree. Account abstraction is something I'm also learning about more this year and I'm excited about. Um, it'll be one of those things that people don't even have to I guess understand it to to experience um, its utility. Um, I w- was wondering if you don't mind kind of explaining account abstraction in maybe a simplified way for for how the the users here would expect that to look. Yeah, so I mean the the, the basic idea right of uh, account abstraction is to you know um, give you some type of a uh, you know smart wallet you can think of it or smart address right or an account on a blockchain that can uh, then execute functions or interact with different applications on your behalf without you maybe even have to think about, you know, how to pay gas or how to 
how to manage it in, in one way or another, right? So kind of very simplistically, if you want to um, authenticate, right, with uh, one method or the other. So for example, you, 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 you want to use like Google authentication method, right? Or you want to use, uh, you know, your GitHub as authentication method, then sort of account abstraction will allow you to do those things in order to interact with that account, right? Um, and so you can, you can, first of all, have a pretty interesting access and security control policies around it, right? Maybe there is a social recovery policy behind it. Maybe there is authentication policy, policy around it. And so um, it goes way beyond just having a private key, right? Uh, where, you know, you have a private key and you have to kind of back that up, but you can really bake into both individual and enterprise layer authentication with, uh, within those within those kind of accounts. Um, and the second uh, point, which I mentioned, is how do you interact them from those accounts with different applications? So maybe in some cases, you don't have to have gas. Maybe in some cases, you know, the, the, the transaction itself um, has to go like cross-chain and you don't want to have to think about it. Um, so account abstraction effectively allows you to, to abstract away the interaction with the individual blockchains or individual applications and the requirements for it, like gas and like cross-chain. Um, and users can just kind of interact with these with these um, accounts in a in a native way. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, I definitely recommend for people listening today. If you don't, um, you've never heard of account abstraction, definitely do some some self learning on that. It's it's a really cool part of of the Web three evolution right now. Have you guys seen use cases of uh, like what are the use cases that you see on Arbitrum for account abstraction? Account abstraction would definitely be good because, you know, we're a layer two. So we want, you know, people coming into to blockchain. Obviously, Ethereum is one of the first things they hear about. So likely they'd be using Ethereum and therefore we'd want them to be using a layer two for obviously, you know, faster throughput and less, you know, less gas fees. But with account abstraction, it'd be great in my mind on the on the gaming layer of things to not have to worry about, um, you know, manually signing transactions every time you're trying to do something in a in a game for example and it'd be a lot more frictionless and seamless in my mind yeah makes sense yeah um all right cool um i was wondering um what are some of the applications that are specifically building um on the interchain using axelar because we didn't talk about that yeah, so the the general, I guess, uh, categories of applications range from you know DeFi, um, you know NFTs, wallets, uh, you know payment networks, and things like that. So kind of every, I would say, application that that had had some type of a you know product market fit within the crypto blockchain industry that's looking to scale um, is a an application um, that's sort of building on Axelor, right, or rewriting their stack on top of Axelor. Um, you know, some examples, uh, one I'm, you know, pretty excited about is, is Squid. So you can take a look at it at uh, 0x Squid, uh, 0 is a number. Um, it's bu building a cross-chain um, liquidity payments uh, layer on top of um, Axelor, right? So the basic idea is that, you know, if you want to be able to route or swap liquidity from one asset to another with one click or with one transaction on, on a given chain, kind of how would you do that? Right. Um, you can you can certainly do it directly, sort of on top of Axler, but um, these uh, kind of a payments or routing liquidity layers allow you to make it even simpler to to to, to use that, e both as a developer and as a user. Right. So as a developer, 
if you want to, let's say, receive, uh, you know, uh, a payment in a particular asset like a stable coin, but you want to allow users to pay in all the other assets in the in the crypto space from any other blockchain, you can then plug in with this API, and that would allow you to do that, right? So, you know, I receive USDC as a payment, but user can can go and uh, you know specify ETH or you know Sol or any other token. It would automatically be routed, swapped on the back end, and then delivered to your application. Um, so that's one example. You know, you have examples like a Prime protocol that's building a, a cross chain, um, you know, brokerage. You have a bunch of wallets that are that are building uh, both you know, cross chain swap functionalities and um, you know, liquidity transfer functionalities. Um, so those are you know, some just some of the use cases that that we're seeing now. Cool, that's awesome. I've, I'm glad I've heard of both of those protocols. <laughs> um, I was just wondering, Sergey, do you have time to take a few community questions today? Sure, yeah, happy to. All right, cool. I think we actually have one here already from Kabir. Hey, Kabir, welcome to the stage. You have a question for Sergey or Axelar today. Your mic's muted, by the way. This usually happens. <laughs> um, in the meantime, Sergey, I'm wondering where um, you know people in the chat or in the community could could find you know documents and details on Axelar and just interoperability in this space in general. If you have any recommendations? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think our website is a good starting point. If you want to just get involved with Axler, it's axel.network. Um, you can find a link to the docs, which is like docs.axel.dev. Um, you know, and we have pretty simple examples for how to get started building cross-chain or interchain within you know five minutes, ten minutes, and so on and so forth. So I think those are pretty good uh, you know resources if you if you're looking to get to get involved. Um, you know, Arbitrum is already live, so you can you can actually uh, see the gateway contracts. You can uh, start interacting with the network, uh, send messages back and forth, and uh, you know, hopefully, it'll be pretty easy. And if you need any help or have any technical questions, we have a you know Discord developer channel. Um, you can also ask any questions there, and you know, we're, we're happy to answer them. All right, great. Um, we actually have a, a question on stage right now with uh, Shir. How's it going? You just need to unmute your mic and um, feel free to ask a question. I think you're raising your hand, but you're um, you're on stage. Uh, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay. My question: I saw Hazel Network is a uh, Cosmos chain, and now they came to Arbitrum. So, is it going to be a whole stable coin on Arbitrum? Are going to be transferable? Or it's going to be only USDC because I think USDC is a common stable coin uh, this, uh, network use. Are we able to make make that out, Sergey? Uh, sorry, I didn't quite understand. So, what, what was your question? Okay, my, my question is uh, you know, a lot of uh, so stable coin that people usually use in it an exchange our network uh, probably usdc so is it going to be only usdc you guys can be transferable in arbitrum network or you, you can also transfer like usdc busd or is only going to support or is going to be only supported or usdc oh yeah so all assets can be supported right not just usdc uh so first of all you know axler 
itself supports arbitrary general message passing or, or general composability across contracts, right? So you can send any asset that you want. And, you know, if you have your own asset and you want to issue it multi-chain, you can use the Axela protocol to do that. Uh, you know, natively, there are applications and uh, kind of a bridging applications on top of Axela that will support uh, different assets from USDT, you know, to BASD and, uh, you know, a bunch of other native tokens of, of other chains as well. So um, kind of a, with the general message passing, right, this allows you to, to have pretty much arbitrary to incomplete composability and arbitrary token transfer. So all of them will be supported. Okay, uh, I think that's asking some more questions. Thank you very much. I would appreciate it. Yeah, and you can, by the way, go to, you know, satellite.money. Uh, it's one of the bridges that's built on top of Axler, and you can see kind of various tokens that are that are already supported today. Uh, sure, I'll check that right now. Um, I, I really want to learn more about it, so I'm going to check it right now. Thank you. All right, thanks for the question. Um, Kabir, we got you back on stage. Uh, you ready this time, buddy? Oh, I heard some. I heard some uh, static. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can hear you. You're just a little bit quiet. My question is that, like, usually on like most of the time, that if I want to say something, I will. It's pretty hard to hear. Can you speak closer to the microphone? Or? It's tough to hear you, Kabir. Let me use. I'm using iPad. Let me close it. Yeah, hope you can hear. Yeah, that's louder. Okay, so like, Hello. do you have any plan to like adopt many crypto projects like that, so that we crypto traders can find more coins on your blockchain? I mean, as I mentioned just now, right? Um, any kind of a crypto coin can be supported through the Axler and between Arbitrum and, and other ecosystems. So, um, you know, you can go to satellite.mining to check out some of the supported ones today, but because the protocol supports arbitrary general message passing and um, pretty much any, any token or any type of trading activity can be supported in, in principle. Okay, I got it right. Thank you. Please, can you help me some, with some place or platform that I can go and check the list of the coins that are available on Arbitrum blockchain? I believe it was the satellite.money, right, Sergey? That's right, satellite.money. There it is. Okay. okay, thank you, sir. All right, uh, we'll just do one more, Sergey, if that's all right. Yep. Cool. We got Larry. Larry Binance. Hey, I appreciate you bringing me up here. Um, Sergey, my question for you was, uh, is would Axlar consider leveraging something like uh, interchange security from the Cosmos Hub uh, just in order to increase the security of the bridged assets? Um, I know there's also some discussion of, of using mesh security with Osmosis. So I don't know if you can comment on that. Yeah, certainly in discussions, right? And kind of considering those things, I think uh, as, uh, you know, blockchains are built, um, I think, you know, as the industry evolves, we're seeing more and more of these kind of economic uh, sharing, right? Uh, ideas, both from like, you know, eigenlayer, right? On Ethereum, right? Uh, kind of interchain security, mesh security, all of them are, you know, pretty, uh, pretty similar in that direction. So absolutely, right? That's, as more value is locked uh, on Axler, right? As more value is protected uh, by Axler for different applications that we secure, we certainly have to increase the economic security of the, you know, the network itself. And and for those of you, by the way, that don't know, right? Uh, the idea of the kind of interchain or mesh security is basically to lend and borrow security of one token 
uh, to protect um, security of other networks, right? So as an example, like, you know, Axler um, is uh, built around Tendermint and Cosmos SDK, so we can use uh, security of like Cosmos Hub, right? Or Osmosis to amplify our security and vice versa. We can lend security like of Axler to, to other blockchains to increase their economic security, which would make um, pretty much all economic attacks kind of relevant or impractical. So yeah, definitely. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for the question. That was a good one. All right, Sergey. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, thanks for your time, and just um, you know, remind everyone that where they can go to um, ask any more questions if they had any later on. Awesome. Yeah. So if you have any questions, you know, I think uh, you can uh, go to Discord, right? Which is a great place to start uh, and ask us anything there. Uh, the link is available on our website, actual.network, and you can find it at the bottom, and uh, we will be able to to help you there. All right, thanks so much, and uh, good luck at Interrupt Summit, and maybe we'll see you at East Denver. Awesome, yeah, I'm excited. Hope to see you guys there as well. All right, thanks a lot, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was the XLR AMA, hosted by Arbitrum, recorded on Monday, January 23rd, 2023. For Terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to terraspaces.org slash donate and show some support. Now with Spark IBC enabled. Waking up like a basement dweller. Stepped out the door and her braces yelling. 2020, what an ugly shit show. Staring at the fucking Rick Roll from the get-go. Looking outside, the whole state's on fire. The fuck do you expect when you embrace the liars? And replace the writers with AI just like us. Emaciated models killing bright birds. First in, last out, picture me rolling. The worst time to cash out, so what you holding? The Merc's gonna cash cow country stolen. Drooling over chicken. Like the goose is golden Trying to be so full Spitting that molten Lava from the bottom of the caldera I'm hot and gonna put it in a bottle And offer it to the god who hit the gas full throttle Blasting off in a rocket The many people who will, will see things happen to them That are in their favor So someone's looking over me that's a, that's a fascinating phenomenon When that happens And when you analyze those situations, what you find is, is that we as humans simply have a profound inability to understand statistics and probability. Stitching these writings, living that life like, who would have guessed you turn out this nice, right? Avoiding stress, that's the motherfucking secret. Print that shit on a motherfucking leaflet. I'm just an asshole hooked on the bricks. Looking at the rectangles, damn, they kinda thick. We've gone through a whole lot of kings here. Cutting off heads just to bring cheer Getting all fired up Tiger King line them up When you'd give an arm and a leg just to try the junk On some first time buyer's luck Alexa set a reminder and remind me to buy a bunch And put your hands up if you fuck this year And keep them in the air if you're picking up the spare And put your mask on just to go outside Looking at the planet about to downsize So climate change will not make Earth
basically every other coastal city that we've spent thousands of years building uh, in the, since the dawn of civilization. Terrorist spaces. <laughs>